All right. Well, good morning, Trace. How are we doing this morning? Everybody doing good? Enjoying this beautiful Colorado morning? I want to say welcome to all of you in this room, especially if this is your first time, met some first-time guests coming in today. We understand that coming to a church for the first time can be maybe a little stressful, a little anxious, and so thanks for taking a chance on us and coming and being a part of this morning with us. I also want to say welcome to those of you watching online today. Thanks so much for tuning in, no matter where you're tuning in from. For those of you watching the Colorado Springs area, we'd love to see your butt in one of these seats one day in the future, and so hopefully you'll come and be a part of that. Well, guys, uh, today we're continuing in the Stranger Things series, and in spirit of that, and and the fact that we've got Halloween coming this week, I thought I would take just a moment and talk to you about my take on Halloween, because every time, this time of year, the question comes up, like, how much should Christians participate in this holiday? So let me give you my two cents. For what it's worth, you you take it or leave it. Many of you would probably be surprised to know that not only Halloween is rooted in a Celtic uh, pagan tradition, but so is Christmas. Christmas used to be known as the winter solstice, and one of the things you should know about the church, you know, church history, if you go all the way back to like the Roman Empire, the Romans were beginning to conquer the Celtic people, and Without going into too much detail, something to be important to know, like the church was very much a part of the government back then, and that wasn't really a healthy thing, but you should know that. And so as the Roman government, the Roman Empire was conquering these Celtic people, the church was taking notice of this, and some of these traditions that the Celtic people have, the church began to take and reshape and make into something new. So you can actually find Christian roots in Halloween going back several, several, several hundred years. So here's where I land. Just like we celebrate Christmas today as the birth of Jesus, it's not really the birth of Jesus, but we make it the birth of Jesus and we celebrate it that way. Uh, This Christmas, there will be non-Christians who actually celebrate Christmas. And I would actually flip that and talk to you about Halloween as Christians, that it's okay uh, to celebrate in Halloween for what we have made it to be. Not what it once was, but for what we've reshaped it and made it to be. It's probably one of the best opportunities to get to know your neighbors, to get to know the people that live in your neighborhood. And yes, there are people that still do some weird things with Halloween, and we don't like take part in that. Just like there are some things or some people that do some weird things with Christmas, and we don't take part in that. It is, this is where I land, it is what you make it. It is what you make it. And I don't think very many Americans make it about, you know, witches and demons anymore, even though some might. But what we obviously know it to be is a time during the year where we uh, do our best to put our kids in a sugar coma and get to know some of our neighbors. At my house, we serve chili to our neighbors, and we just use it as an opportunity to get to know them really well. Now, if you have a strong position of not um, participating in Halloween, by no means am I trying to convince you to do anything different, but I would also caution you, be careful that you don't take the position that you hold and put that onto the freedom that other Christians feel like that they can live within. And if you wanted to go deeper on this subject, I'd love to sit down and talk to you about 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul talks about food, sacrifice to idols, because I I think there's a strong parallel there. Now, in the same sense, I don't know if it's wise to like dress your kids up as demons and witches and stuff like that. I'm just giving my two cents. And for the adults in here, I don't think it's it's uh, healthy to dress up in a sensual or sexual way, which seems to come out during Halloween as well. So again, that's my two cents. And for the kids in the room, if there are some kids in the room, I've got some advice for you. When you come up to those houses that have big boxes of candy sitting out and it says, please just take one, that's just a suggestion. That is just a suggestion. No, it's horrible. Horrible. Of course, we honor. It's the honor code. Some of your parents, parents in here are like, don't listen to the pastor. 
Don't, don't, yeah, I'm sorry, I just had to say it. All right, well, guys, that's my two cents. Take it or leave it. If you want to talk more about that, it'd be love. I would love to talk about that with you. But let's get into our subject today. So, so far in this series, we've talked about the subjects of heaven and hell. And remember, if you ever miss one of our sermons, you can go on to tracechurch.com and get caught up on those particular sermons. Uh, and today we're going to be looking at the subject of angels. And so here's how I'd like to start our conversation. What is it about the supernatural that elicits so much intrigue? What is it about the supernatural that causes people to lean in? And this goes for both Christians and non-Christians alike, where it's like, man, I just like there's something in, in there's intrigue and we want to learn more and there's something to it. And so as I was wrestling with that this week, I landed on this, and this is just a thought. Maybe, just maybe. It's because most people find themselves with an underlying hope, an underlying desire to believe in something much bigger than themselves. And the supernatural causes people to find themselves in a sense of wonder. And friends, if you ask me, there's room for wonder in our lives, a lot more room for wonder in each of our lives. I think wonder can be a very good thing. Maybe you've arrived here this morning, and when it comes to the subject of angels, that's exactly where you're at. You wonder. You wonder what's real versus what's not real. I think we would all agree that there's been a fascination with the subject of angels, and some of that comes from all the TV shows that um, have you know, talked about angels or had angels as a big part of the theme of the show, different songs that have been written, different Hollywood blockbusters that are all about angels. There's an intrigue. There's a fascination with angels. But because that's the case, it's likely that you've walked in those doors this morning believing some things to be true when they're actually a myth, but the opposite is also true. It's possible that you walked in here this morning believing some things to be myth when in fact they're actually true. And so what I'd like to do for the rest of our time together today is actually wrestle down the facts using God's Word as our guide and building our conversation on these three questions. What are angels? What do, you, what do they look like, and do they have a purpose in our lives? And so let's begin with the first question. What are angels? Well, we get the word angel from the Greek word agalos, which means messenger from God. So in short, angels are messengers from God. Now, it's important to note this. Angels were created beings by God. We don't know exactly when he created them, but sometime that predated the existence of Adam and Eve. And they were made through Jesus and for Jesus. Now, that's an important point, and we're going to build on that. So let me begin in Colossians chapter 1. It says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we cannot see such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world, that would include angels. Everything, don't miss this, everything was created through him and for him. Now, the fact that angels were created through Jesus is a point of emphasis in the New Testament. And it's likely the case, the reason why this continues to come up is as the apostles, and these were the early believers after Jesus died and was resurrected, these early apostles that were going out through various regions to tell people about the good news of Jesus, they were encountering some things along the way, including people that probably had an unhealthy focus on the subject of angels. We see this in Colossians chapter 2. 
It says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. So, even though angels are important in the kingdom of God, and they very much are, they were never meant to be worshipped, and they were never meant to be prayed to. Now, I'm sure that the majority of you, if not all of you, didn't come in here today with an unhealthy focus or an unhealthy way of worshipping angels. But the reason that I even make this point is because I think the intrigue that draws us in from all of the supernatural can also cause us to have an unhealthy approach of subjects like angels. And one of the things that I've noticed in the past, uh, even within the church, is this desire for some people to want to seek out mediums, to want to seek out people that can interact with their dead loved ones. It's people who had an unhealthy focus, whether it be on angels or ghosts, or again, just relatives that had passed away. A few years ago, I was pastoring a church down in Arizona. And when I was down there, there, I found out that there was a group of people in the church that I was pastoring that had gone and sought out a medium to interact with some of their dead relatives. And I found out about this, and I called them in and asked them if they'd be willing to sit down and talk with me. And they agreed. And so when I sat down to talk with them, I, t- I spoke about the, the warnings that the Scriptures give us about seeking out mediums. And then I gave them an opinion, and it's the same opinion that I'm about to give to you, and I want to be very clear about that. This is an opinion, but I believe it's an educated opinion. When mediums are interacting with people in the spirit world, so they say, I don't believe they're actually talking to our dead relatives. Okay, this is an opinion. You can't find this in Scripture. I think they're talking to demons. Now, demons, and Corey's going to get into this next week, demons are actually angels, and we know this in Jude chapter 1, angels have free will, and so the angels that chose against, to go against God were kicked out of heaven, and we now call them demons. But demons have been around since the beginning of time as we know it, and therefore demons have the ability to know a lot of information. Now, they're not, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not omniscient, they don't know your thoughts, they're not, like, they're not all-powerful, but they have been able to observe things for hundreds of years, meaning they probably know some information about your relatives. And so when these mediums are going and intercessing on your behalf or people's behalves to learn about their dead loved ones, I think they're actually talking to demons. Now, I don't believe the mediums, or at least most mediums, think that they are, or they probably wouldn't participate in it. But why would this even be the case? Why is this even a point of emphasis? The reason I think it should be a point of emphasis is because Our enemy, the devil, wants to do everything that he can to get our attention off of Jesus. And just watch on some cable networks, different, you know, the focus and the intrigue that people have with mediums and all these people that are going to mediums to talk to their dead loved ones, which keeps, which keeps their focus off of Jesus. And the Bible warns us against this, folks. I want to read to you from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. So hear me out. Don't dismiss the importance of angels. And there is a great deal of importance to angels. We're going to build that case here in just a moment too. 
but also don't pursue them in an unhealthy way. Now, again, I don't think anybody in here is you know, potentially seeking angels or worshiping angels in an unhealthy way unless your favorite baseball team is the Los Angeles Angels. And if that's the case, you've got other problems I can't help you with this morning. But friends, make sure, make sure that Jesus always remains your focus when it comes to your faith journey. And the writer of Hebrews, I think, solidifies this really well. Hebrews chapter 1, he says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the, pop, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him he also made the universe. The Son, I love this verbiage, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Don't miss this next line. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. So, in summation, angels, they are created beings. They have free will. They were made through Jesus and for Jesus, and they serve as messengers for God. That leads us to question number two. What do they look like? Now, if you go back hundreds of years, uh, you're going to hear in different literature angels depicted as these spiritual beings with wings. If you were to go home today and you were to Google like angels, and the first images that would pop up would be things like this, different statues that have been depicted with you know, angels with these wings, and maybe you know, different things like this, these majestic beings that have these beautiful wings. But I do want to show you a picture of one angel that I know that exists on earth that doesn't have any wings. On the count of three, read it. One, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Angel eyes, you've got yeah. Bonus points for later. That was a selfish moment. All right. So what do they actually look like? Is she even in here? Yay, baby, I love you. There you are. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, so what do angels actually look like? Do they have wings? Or is this just something that has become a myth with a lot of urban legends? The answer is yes, some of them actually do. Now, there are two different types of angels mentioned in the Bible, and they're called seraphim and cherubim. Now, I don't have time to go into depth on these two particular types of angels, and they're actually not mentioned very often at all. Specifically, they're mentioned in the Old Testament. But they're said to be these majestic beings with these beautiful wings. Some of them have, having six different types of wings, just these beautiful creatures. And I think it's important to know that these were mainly seen in visions that God gave to different prophets and different people along the way. If you want to read more about this, I'm going to give you a couple of references because we just don't have time to go into too much detail on them. Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10 and Isaiah chapter 6, you can read about these angels. Now, the two most common known angels that we probably heard about growing up are who? Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel and Michael. Now, contrary to popular belief, you may have heard of both of these angels mentioned as archangels, but there's only one reference to an archangel throughout the entire scripture, and that is the archangel Michael. Never once do we actually see archangel mentioned with Gabriel. Now, the word arch means chief, 
or I'm sorry, Michael was the chief angel. You can read this in Jude chapter 1. Michael was this warrior-type angel. And you can tell this, like, this angel didn't have any fear. At one point in his life, he even called out Lucifer. And he said, may the Lord rebuke you because of different things that Lucifer was doing. So Michael is the only one mentioned as this archangel, the chief angel. Gabriel, on the other hand, was the chief messenger. One of the things that you can observe about Gabriel throughout the scriptures is he, is, he shows up when there's a really important message that God needs to get across to someone. In the book of Daniel, Daniel has this vision, and Gabriel shows up and explains this vision to Daniel to let him know what God is trying to describe to him. In the New Testament, we see Gabriel show up to Zechariah, which was the father of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is not born yet, so Gabriel literally shows up to tell him, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be the messenger for the one who is to come. And then maybe the most popular encounter between an angel and a human we see in the Christmas story, right? We see Gabriel show up to Mary and let her know that she's going to conceive a child, and he will be called Jesus. He will be the king of all kings. And so we see these interactions with angels and human beings. Now, if I were to explain both Michael and Gabriel in practical terms, here's what I think I would say. Michael, like, I can see Michael driving like a Humvee, right? Michael was that guy, and then not like an H2 or 3, an H1. I can see Michael being that kind of angel. Gabriel, probably a Prius, it'd be my guess. It's, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Don't worry if lightning strikes. I think I'm far enough away from you guys. But no, even with Gabriel, like when Gabriel showed up uh, in both Daniel's life, or not both, in all three, in Daniel's life, in Zachariah's life, and in Mary's life, he had to say something to the extent of, don't be afraid, do not fear. So there was something about the way that he was presenting himself that caused fear. So even though Gabriel probably drove a Prius, he probably did CrossFit, that's my guess, so I mean there was something about him. Bear with me, guys. I'm trying to make this a little lighthearted. We're talking about some deep stuff today. Um, but one of the things that we notice uh, in almost every encounter is that these angels were presenting themselves as regular human beings. But there was also something about their appearance that was intimidating. I think one of the best stories that I can use to depict what I'm talking about here is in Matthew chapter 28. And in Matthew chapter 28... This is where Jesus is in the tomb. He's been crucified and he's been put in a tomb. This big stone has been rolled in front of it. And there are two Roman guards there to keep watch. And it says an angel of the Lord showed up. And when he showed up, his face was like lightning. His face was like lightning. Now, I don't know what that looked like. Maybe it looked like something like this. But it was so intimidating. It says the two Roman guards fainted. They passed out. Now, I'm going to speculate something. And I want to be clear about that. I'm going to speculate something. I think it's possible that these angels that are presenting themselves, there's no wings, but they're presenting themselves as human beings with kind of this radiance, this, you know, their fa his face was like lightning. I believe that could potentially be the case because these angels have been in the presence of God. And with all of God's glory, and with all of God's radiance and just majest the majestic power of who God is, that is being reflected through the image of these very angels. It's possible. And that leads us to question number three. Do they have a purpose in our lives? 
Now, I want to take a poll really quick, and I would encourage you to participate in this because I think this is one of the things that maybe we've heard growing up, and we're not sure if it actually is true or not. And that comes to whether or not we have a guardian angel in our life, or if that's just a a story that we heard in Sunday school growing up, or maybe from fairy tales that were read to us at bedtime. So how many of you guys actually believe that we have guardian angels? Raise your hand. How many of you guys believe it's a myth? Okay. How many of you guys hate raising your hand in church? Yeah, you did it though. You did it. You did it. You did it. I'm proud. I'm proud. Believe it or not, we do have guardian angels. And Hebrews chapter 1 says this Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Now, it doesn't say we have a specific guardian angel, it just says guardian angels. We have Angels that come to us because they're servants sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. In other words, people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. It doesn't say we specifically have one angel. We also see this in Matthew chapter 18. And in the context of this passage, what's happening is Jesus is rebuking those who would ever cause a little child to, I'm sorry, whoever, yeah, would ever cause a little child to potentially sin. He said, be better for you to have a stone wrapped around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea. And in the same breath, he says this. Matthew chapter 18. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Did you catch both points there? So both, yes, we have guardian angels. These kids have their own angels in heaven, their own guardian angels, but the angels, the angels are also in the presence of our heavenly Father which goes back to that point I made just a second ago, that they radiate God's glory. They illuminate God's glory. I've got four kids, and with each of my four children, uh, every time, I remember, not every time, but many times when I would lay them down at night in their crib, I would pray over them, God, would you send a mighty angel Would you send mighty angels to watch over them and to protect them? And sometimes I would even pray this prayer, God, would you entertain my child with angels tonight? Because I think there's something about the innocence and the purity of children that even though we might be afraid today, if we were to see an angel, if an angel showed up, that we might be fearful. I think there's something about the purity and the innocence of a little child that if they were to see an angel, they would just be entertained. And so I pray, God, would you entertain my kid tonight with angels? Would you protect them? Would you send the mightiest angel possible to come and watch over them? I pray that so many nights for each of my kids. Well, my oldest daughter, Lily, who's getting ready to turn 10, when she was about two and a half, maybe going closer to three, there was uh, this imaginary friend that she had called Bopey. And she always talked about Bopey. Now, none none of my other kids have ever talked about an imaginary friend, but Lily always talked about Bopey. And we had a lot of fun with this in our family. And it's like, where's Bopey and who's Bopey? And, you know, she's two and a half years old. She doesn't really even know how to explain it. Well, one night, I'm putting her to bed. We're kind of going through our nighttime rhythms. And I'm putting her to bed. And she starts talking about Bopey again. Again, she's like two and a half or three. And I said, sweetie, do you see Bopey right now? And she said, yeah, daddy's right there. And her eyes fixated on something and followed it. And said, oh, he just went through the wall. And I was freaking out. I'm like, What? Because she, I mean, it wasn't, you can tell when a kid's pretending, and her eyes fixated on something, and I was like, my, the hair on my arms went up, and I was freaking out. So, I don't know, maybe that was an angel 
sent to protect her. Maybe I'll get to heaven one day, and some angel's going to come up to me and be like, what's up, it's Bopey, like that was me, that was me, I was really there. I have no idea. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you prayed for God to send you an angel? When was the last time you asked for God to send angels to come and watch over you and protect you or maybe strengthen you? Do you know who benefited from angels more than once? Yeah, Jesus did. I'm going to read to you two different stories. The first one comes out of Matthew chapter 4. And this is when Jesus goes into the desert. And he goes there to fast for 40 days. And while he's there, the devil shows up and begins to tempt Jesus. But Jesus rebukes him every single time and doesn't accept any of those temptations. And when we get to the end of his time in the desert, we read this in verse 11. Then the devil went away. And the angels, they came and they took care of Jesus. Now, the next story that I'm going to read to you, this is really interesting. I've read through the New Testament dozens, if not hundreds of times by now, specifically this story hundreds of times, and I've never noticed what I'm about to share with you, which is really interesting because sometimes we just don't see it unless we're looking for it. This is when Jesus has just finished the uh, Lord's Supper, when he brings his disciples together and they break bread together and he talks about how he's the new covenant. His blood is the new covenant. And then it says this, Then he accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, Pray that you will not give into temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. In other words, God, if there's any other way, can we figure that out right now? Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Here it is. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Do you know I've never noticed that? I don't know why. But in the midst of one of Jesus' hardest moments in his entire life, an angel of the Lord showed up and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently. And as he was in such, and he was in such agony of the spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Friends, can I ask you again, when was the last time that you asked God to send you an angel to protect you, to strengthen you? Can I confess something to you this morning? I never have. I prayed it for my kids. I prayed it for them often. But for whatever reason, I don't know if I've just subconsciously thought it to be something elementary. I've never asked for God to send me an angel to protect me in times of darkness, of need, of weakness. And so I'm in this with you today, and I want to encourage all of us that when it comes to salvation, like, yes, we get, we get gifts, right? We get eternal life. We get the Holy Spirit that comes and lives with us, but we also get the power of God's angels. And so if you ask me, I think we should utilize everything that we can for the sake of, you know, navigating through the difficulties of this life. And listen to me, if Jesus needed it, if Jesus needed it, on more than one occasion, who are we to think that we should try to get through this life without it? I want to encourage you this morning to pray. Yes, pray for them to come and protect your kids. Pray for the angels to come and guard their life and to lead them even. I don't know if they'll ever see one. I don't know if they'll ever meet a guy named Bopi. I have no idea. But I know they exist. And I know they exist for our benefit. And so I want to encourage you today to pray. Pray for God to send angels to watch over your kids, to help you in times of weakness. 
and to lead you to the house that doesn't give out the small Snickers bars this Halloween, but the full-sized ones. Full circle, that's what that was, full circle. Guys, I bet the mass majority of you showed up today never praying this prayer. Your pastor hasn't either. But let's begin today to utilize every gift that God has given us to be able to navigate the difficulties of this life. I'm going to share one more verse with you, and I'm just going to allow it to sit, because I think this verse, when it comes to the subject of angels, will open your eyes even further. Hebrews chapter 13. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. And even though this was a message that I wasn't like extremely excited to preach, Lord, thanks for revealing something to me that I haven't utilized. A gift that you have given those of us that, have ex- that will inherit salvation for those of us that have put our faith in your son, Jesus. And so, God, I pray that this changes our prayer life. This changes how we pray for our kids. This changes how we pray for people going through difficult times. But maybe if it will remind even some of the people in this room, maybe there's people in this room right now that have never put their faith and trust in your son, Jesus. And God, this promise is only given for those that have decided to turn their life over and allow Jesus to become the leader and Lord of their life. Now, we don't obviously do that, God, to just get an angel. But maybe this will spark an interest. Maybe this will spark a conversation with those in this room that have not yet made that decision to continue to seek what it would look like to allow Jesus become the leader and Lord of their life. God, would you send us mighty angels to watch over us, to protect us, and to guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.